0: In the small townland of Inch, County Clare, locals have blockaded the entrance to the former McGowan House Hotel, where 34 asylum seekers were sent on Monday. Our position as a community is that this location is totally unsuitable for this purpose. We invite Minister O'Gorman to come down in person to view the location and accommodation. Peace the protesters say they weren't consulted and the location just isn't suitable but their critics say the alternative for the 34 men is homelessness. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Suzanne Brennan. Today, how a small rural community became the latest flashpoint over migrant accommodation. In this episode, I speak to my colleague Rosita Boland, Chief Features Writer for the Irish Times. Rosisa, you went to Inch on Tuesday to report on what's been happening there and you left then on Thursday. At the time we're recording this, it is Friday morning. The blockade, as we know, is still ongoing. But when you got there on Tuesday, the blockade had been in place for nearly 24 hours. Can you just remind us what had been happening up to that point? How did it all start? So... On Monday of this week, a bus
1: arrived at the former Magona House Hotel in Inch, which is a townland seven kilometres from Ennis. It had 34 people on board, 34 male international protection applicants. And this former hotel, which closed in 2019, and three bungalows are on the site. So it's three bungalows on the hotel at full capacity. They can accommodate 69 people. So the bus arrived with 34 of the international protection applicants and the local people were immediately very distressed, I suppose, that that there had been a lack of consultation about who was going to come and when they were going to come. They had known for some days or perhaps weeks that Magauna was to be used as a centre for asylum seekers the exact date of arrival seems to not have been communicated clearly. In any case, local residents, it, they were so exercised by the arrival of these men that they took it upon themselves to block access to Magona House Hotel.
0: And so what was the situation when you got there on Tuesday?
1: No, it's a very rural area. There's two access points to the hotel, one off the sort of main road, although it's a very small road, that comes from Ennis and goes on to Kilmalee and the other is a far more rural road, but it does have two access points. So there were people, when I arrived at both of those entrances with traffic cones and basically standing in a row in front, and then there was a sign saying local access only. I arrived there about seven or eight in the evening at that point They had decided that they were not going to comment to the media. They had spoken to other media organisations earlier that day. They had decided that they would no longer speak to anybody. I was asked to produce my reporter identification. But I think we have to remember that members of the public are not actually entitled to block access to public roads. The only people who can legally do that are members of the emergency services or the guards or official bodies. Mm. Ordinary members of the public are not meant to be blocking access to public roads. So
0: that is a fact. And so if it is illegal for them to be blocking access, why haven't the guards done anything about it? Well, I suppose I... I don't know the answer to that. I think we can
1: guess that because the situation has generated such intense national attention that it's possible that the guardi have been instructed by people in the government. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But there's some reason as to why they haven't broken up those two blockades. It may be seen that it would make things even more volatile. So there's definitely been a decision made somewhere to not test the fact that it is illegal, their presence there. We're now at Friday, so those blockades have been in place for five days now. And it simply cannot
0: continue for all sorts of reasons. And just to go back to something that you said there, you said by the time you arrived that the locals had stop talking. But, you know, earlier on in the week, we heard them on Morning Ireland speaking about, you know, their concerns for the men that had arrived. Why do you think they made the decision to collectively not speak to the media anymore? What, why do you think that happened?
1: I think that like many small communities who suddenly find that a local event has the national spotlight of the media on it, most members of small communities are unused to former massive media attention. And there really mm. was an enormous amount of media there, television, radio and print. By the time they had spoken on Morning Ireland in particular, there was a very long segment on the Tuesday morning. And there was quite a lot of public dismay from other elements of people around the country. And I think by the time the evening arrived, they realized that their the words that they were speaking locally were being interpreted nationally and it was not reflecting well on them or on their community or on Inch because at base it's local people protesting against the arrival of people who are vulnerable and seeking asylum. I mean, there is no good look to that for a community. So it had been decided among them that they wouldn't speak to the media anymore. Mm
0: -hmm. And some of their concerns are that, you know, where McGowan House is particularly rural, there's a lack of transport. The roads are dangerous for people to be walking on if they have, you know, no means to get in and out of the town. Um, You were obviously there. Can you describe in a bit more detail the location? Did it strike you as particularly unsuitable? Well, it is... it's seven kilometres from Ennis, but it does
1: have a very rural atmosphere. It's not developed, so there's not very many housing, uh, very few houses. They're scattered. There's no, you know, housing estates or anything like that. There's a lot of cows grazing in fields. I mean, it's it's, it's lovely. It's a beautiful area. Mm. But Inch itself has a primary school and a church. They're beside each other. There's no shop. There's no pub. There's no There's a post box, but no post office none of the services that larger places have. But local people who live there seem to be happy to live mm. with without all of those <laughs> services. And it's true that there are very narrow winding roads and there's no footpaths. So most people seem to get around by car. But the fact is, as we know, and as the government members have been telling us all week, that there is a dire lack of accommodation for people who need refuge and we've seen people sleeping in tents on the street and it it is not the most suitable place for people to come and live but the alternative is far worse which means sleeping on the streets or being overcrowded in, I, I'm not sure what the situation is in City West but I mean, I spoke to uh, Timmy Dooley yesterday, who's a Fianna Fáil senator, and he's been communicating with the local people. And, you know, what he said to me was, you know, what the local residents want. They want uh, the government to take the asylum seekers away from there. And he he said, you know, made it very clear that's not going to happen. And while that may be their wish, he said, what ultimately would happen is that by displacing those people, you'd be putting those people back out on the street and that's not acceptable.
0: The residents or the protesters, their main concern is the welfare of these men who they say won't have the resources that they need. So how then do they justify that, you know, what Timmy Dooley was saying, that these men ultimately will end up on the street? What's the locals' reaction to that argument? I suppose
1: at base they see that they are potentially 69 men coming to live in a small community they don't previously know any of them and that for some reason they are not considering the prospect of integration and a lot of these men are are, are very young they're in their early 20s and you know they would have a lot to to give to a community i suppose the, the local community are saying that's the place is not suitable and it's not the most suitable place, mm. it, 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 it isn't, but as we've talked already that the alternative is far worse mm. for the men who have come to reside there for a period. And that doesn't seem to be being taken into
0: account by the local people. My name is Sultan Muhammad Nasser, I'm from Afghanistan. On Thursday afternoon, Irish Times video journalist Enda O'Dowd He went down to Magouna and he spoke to some of the men, the international protection applicants who were brought there. And how long
1: have you been in Ireland for? Five months. Where were you before this? In City West.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about City West?
1: Yeah, uh, City West is a little bit not good. Yeah, but uh, this area is very good and safe, and every guy is feeling very well here, and everything is perfect and room is perfect and food, everything also that the stop, they are respectable and they're helping us. And you're very far away though from people? Uh, from here? No, it's you know, it's in a 10 minute car away so they, they prepare transport. For us, There is, we don't have any issue, no problem. Yeah, they, they prepare bus and uh, it's okay. How do you feel about the protests? No.
0: I don't feel. I feel good. It's, it will be finished after a few days. So. so, the protests on the road don't upset you, so?
1: Yeah, we don't have problem with this. Uh, we we friend with, with dear the other peoples. Um, I think some problems the people, but uh, we have, inshallah, everything is well.
0: What's interesting there is the two men that Enda spoke to. They paint a picture of being quite comfortable in McGowan House. You can see in the footage, four men are playing volleyball outside. They seem quite content. They're not really portraying a picture that this is the last place on earth they want to be, which is quite in contrast with what we've heard on Morning Ireland. One woman that spoke to the reporter there, one of the lines she used was, the people here are not happy and that is the bottom line. We do have great empathy for these people, but they are not happy here themselves and the people who left were not happy either. And that is the truth of it. They are too far from the facilities, the amenities, from roads. That was the justification she used when she was asked, is the alternative sleeping in tents better than being in McGowan? she said, they're not happy, they don't want to be here. That's not really what we're seeing though, is it, Rosita?
1: Well, I think that that was a a generalisation on her part. I myself did not get to interview any of the residents, so I can't speak for their experience or I don't know Mm. the circumstances of where they were living for the last five months. But we do know that the alternative right now is for a far less suitable accommodation. And I am guessing that those residents are fully aware of other possibilities that might pan out for them if they can't remain at at Magona. I'm sure they're as aware of the lack of beds
0: around the country as, uh, as we are. I'll continue my conversation with Rosita after this short break. despite a lot of the protesters deciding they weren't going to speak to the media, you did speak to one man called Martin Vernon. Can you tell me what he told you?
1: So Martin Vernon is, uh, he lives in Ennis. I met with him and he told me that on Tuesday, a friend of his called him and who was out cycling, uh, called him, said that he'd passed three very distressed men who had come from Magauna and they were, going on foot to Ennis train station. They wanted to get the train back to Dublin. And Martin got into his car and went out to find them. And two were from Syria, one from Palestine. So he spent some time talking to them and trying to reassure them that despite what they might have experienced, that you know they were welcome as far mm-hmm. as he was concerned. So he drove them to get some water and cigarettes. And while they were in the car, they got a call from one of the other men back at Magauna to say that they needed to come back because if they did actually leave Mm -hmm. and go back to Dublin, that they would lose their refugee status. If you choose to leave the system into which you're being processed, then you can't go back into it. Mm -hmm. So they decided that they would go back.
0: And do we know if they were leaving because of the protests that they were intimidated by it or that they themselves believed You know, Magana House isn't adequate enough. There's no resources here. I'm not sure if he asked them that. Mm
1: -hmm. Also, the two Syrian men had very little English. He Ah. said it was the Palestinian man who was kind of speaking on on their behalf. But when he went back, he went into one of the bungalows. He stayed there for a while. He met a number of the others. Um, They were from Algeria, the Congo, Nigeria. Somalia, Afghanistan, the people that he met. And they told him that the night before, which was the first night that they were there at about two o'clock in the morning, a large vehicle that they thought perhaps was a tractor had stopped at the low wall outside the bungalow that they were in and shone headlights through their windows. And they felt very disturbed and intimidated by this. Martin also told me that on Wednesday morning, a bus had arrived at 10 a.m. and this was to take the residents to the intro centre in Ennis, and they were coming back at at 2pm. So when the bus went down to what Martin referred to as a checkpoint, because he said in his Mm. personal opinion, that's what he considered it, a van driven by a local residence pulled up in front of the bus. This man got onto the bus, counted all of the residents, and he said 29 out, 29 in, which the implication being... If there are more than 29 people on the bus when you come back, we're not having it. Why else would one do that? So he had no authority to do that. It was, again, an act of intimidation, as I see it. Martin heard this later from some of the men that he talked to the previous evening, whose phone numbers he had, who called him.
0: So they've been checking identification, they checked yours when you arrived, they've been stopping people going in and out and as you've just described, they've been doing headcounts on the international protection applicants. So as it stands, Martin's description of it as a checkpoint doesn't sound too far off. How did you see it being managed during your time there? So when I was there at six o'clock yesterday morning, Thursday
1: morning, they are continuing to do this blockade on a rota in four hour shifts. Mm-hmm. So the two people who spoke to me, Carl Nagan and Joe Ford, two members of the local community who are involved in this rota on four hour shifts, they have a WhatsApp group and they also talk to each other. And like if you actually do the maths, you have two entrances, you have four hour rota that's a lot of people, mm. um, it's a lot of time. And they were standing beside what looked like the kind of the makings of a makeshift kind of settlement. There was several chairs. There was a table. There was a stove. There were boxes of uh, food. There was lots of water. There was a something I hadn't seen before, which had only been arrived, which was a generator. And there were three large sort of floodlights Um I was told during the night you'd want to have the lights on for a bit of safety. So those two people had started at 4 a.m. and they were going to clock off, as I said, at 8 a.m. And I asked them what took them out of bed in the dark to stand at the side Mm. of the road for four hours. And I was told that what we hope to achieve is that the government will reverse the decision they've made. Despite the fact that Roderick O'Gorman had said the day before that this was not going to be reversed, And I pointed this out to them. He said, well, we have great resolve and we're very united Mm. and we're going to stay here. Now, since then, as we know, the the story has moved on uh, to the degree that Joe O'Brien was in Ennis yesterday. He was talking to some representatives of the community and he also went out to meet some of the residents at McGowan House. So thanks everyone for for coming down. Um, I've had uh, two good meetings in Clare today. And he has Uh, proposed that the so-called blockades be removed and there's a four-week period where he will come back at the end of four weeks and the barricades be removed and in the meantime no further residents will arrive to Magauna. Mm -hmm. And how we left it was that um, they are going to take some proposals back to the wider community uh, and see if, if they will be accepted. So the representatives of the Inch community said that they would go back to the wider group and they would see what the consensus was.
0: Obviously, the scenes you describe of a makeshift stove, seats, boxes of food, drinks, that's a community that have decided they're going to be there for a long time, for as long as it takes. Do you think reassurances from Joe O'Brien about a four-week freeze will be enough
1: Well, I can't speak for the community or or guess at what they're thinking, but they did say very clearly to me what they wanted was the government to reverse the decision and that is not happening. So that's an impasse. But what is clear is that members of the public cannot continue to block access to a public road. That is an illegal act. So we've got that element. The people that I spoke to seemed very resolute. The motivation is clearly strong.
0: Rosita, earlier this week, we obviously heard Taoiseach Leo Varadkar saying, you can't put a veto on this. No one gets to say who can or cannot live in the area.
1: No community has a right to uh, veto other people moving into their community. And that's something we can't accept.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And that pretty much reflects a feeling that critics of the blockade have, that... These protesters, the locals there, they're essentially taking the law into their own hands. And even though it is their area, they don't have a right to put up a blockade, say who's coming in, who's coming out. But yes, their demands are being treated with quite a great deal of respect by politicians. The manager of McGowan House knew for three months that asylum seekers would be housed there, but nobody else was told. The local community was not told. Local politicians were not told, not even Clare Immigrant Support Centre, who've been providing outreach... What's your sense of the political reaction? I
1: I would surmise that what is happening in Inch is possibly being viewed as a test case for what may happen in other rural communities in the future. We know that there are more beds in places which will be coming um, available around the country. It it seems obvious that if there is any seen to be any kind of um, compromise, I don't know how that compromise would look, but in Inch, as in either not having the facility there, um, what would happen in the future is that other communities would want the same reversal of decision if... There were proposed asylum seeker centres in their communities. So I think to a certain extent it's being seen as a bit of a test case. I think that there was an edge and an impatience and a dismay around the comments that were made by Leo Varadkar and Roderick O'Gorman. I mean, you, you can't have more straight talking than what Leo Varadkar said from Iceland. Nobody gets to say who can or cannot live in their area. I mean, it is absolutely a straightforward statement, which is which is true. And we we do not get to choose whom we live among. Mm -hmm. We might choose the houses or the apartments or the walls that we live within. But we can't be dictating who who lives in our area. And that that is that's a fact. I think from what I saw, the community seems to be very resolute about the decision they've made and what they want. And they're continuing, at the moment anyway, to continue to protest, even though they know what Roderick O'Gorman has said. So to me, I see that as a kind of an impasse. And I'm not sure how things are going to pan out now in the
0: next days and weeks. that's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism and coverage of the protests in County Clare, you can subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.